Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert, Experts on Expert. I'm Dan Shenanders. I'm joined by Monica Mouse. Hi there. Meep, meep. I want you to have a mouse noise you do when we say, and Monica Mouse. Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Oh, good. Yeah. Good, good timing, Wobby Wob. <laughs> we have two of our favorite, favorite, favorite creators today. Yeah. Phil Lord and Chris Miller, popularly known as Lord and Miller. They are Academy Award-winning filmmakers. They directed Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which we love. The Lego movies, which were just Incredible. so groundbreaking. 21 and 22 Jump Street, both hysterical. Last Man on Earth, one of my favorite shows of all time. Ugh. And Clone High. They have a new show out right now on Apple+. Plus with maybe the best cast in television, called The After Party. Every comedian you've ever loved, minus Monica and I, are yeah. in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really good. It's very cool. It's like a murder mystery show, and each episode is a different genre. Mm. Yeah, you watched the whole thing last night, which you'll hear about in the fact check. That's uh, right. Easter egg, Monica's not well. Uh, <laughs> but she's okay. <laughs> but she's not well. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> I love you. Uh, please enjoy Lord and Miller. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah, easy peasy? So easy. Well, the best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. We are supported by Taco Bell. Ooh. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy and we're always craving something really yummy. Yes, yeah, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all new cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage, and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken menu at Taco Bell now. He's an Right out of the gates, what we need to address is generally we don't interview two people at a time. Uh-oh. It gets confusing. Yeah. And in fact, it's very helpful that I'm male and she's female just for the host's sake, right? If one of us yeah. didn't sound nerdy, it'd be a lot easier. But we both <laughs> have nasal nerd voice. I'm Phil Lord. And I'm, I'm Chris Miller. That's what it sounds like. That's what we're like. No, no. It's okay, true. So we're going to try this. We're going to try to cement this for the listener. Again, and I don't ever have to ask guests to do this, but in this case, we're going to have to ask this. So I need you to start and say your name. My name's Chris Miller, and I sound like this. Okay. Hey, and my name is Phil Lord, and I sound a lot like Chris Miller. No, well, they're different. It's good. Different it's enough? Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, also, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming we'll just announce our name before everything yes. we say. I will say, 
Chris. Yes, and this then is me. Phil will say yes. Yeah. Well, this reminds me. So this wonderful guy I was in the Groundlings with, Guy Stevenson, very funny, bizarre sense of humor, is obsessed with robots and gorillas and all this kind of stuff. So he wrote a sketch and it was Stephen Hawking's teaching astrophysics to a class of six other people who also had his condition. So everyone's got the same computer voice. Then someone says, can I go to the bathroom? Yes. Who needs to go to the bathroom? Oh, Me. Who? The girl. No, I don't. Class dismissed. Who's saying class? And it becomes like a <laughs> mutiny. And no one can figure out who's talking. And they keep going, it was the girl. No, it wasn't. This is the girl. Oh, it my was. God. And, you know. It probably couldn't fly today. I wonder. I bet it could. You yeah. think so? It, well, yeah. you know, if something's genius, it transcends all the layers of no knowness. And if it's nice. It's kind of celebrating, yeah, that they might have had like a mutiny and they have a sense of humor. and Yeah, right. <laughs> and honestly, that if you have a disability, you could still be funny. Mm -hmm. And yeah. funny things still happen to you. If it doesn't feel like you're punching down, I think it works. Right. Obviously, Stephen Hawking's. You're punching up minimally intellectually. That's for sure. So, guys, where do we start? Lord and Miller, I'm just going to start with my love for you guys. And it's a very sincere one. I hope it's gotten back to you at some point in your you life. You come up a lot on our show. Yeah, I love you guys. So my first experience was Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. How many years ago was that movie? It was 2009. Okay, so I didn't have kids. I just was there. I was going to blame it on my kids, but <laughs> I just was there. I think the title got me maybe, and I wasn't so into animated movies. And I was like... This is revolutionary. I loved that movie more than you can imagine. I think that's the first time I saw your guys' name. And then, of course, I knew about Lego Movie, this and that. But then you sucker punch us all with Last Man on Earth. Right, Tyler? Last Man on that's Earth. That's it. I always yeah. get confused with I know, Last, Last Man, Man Standing. Standing. Oh, it's tough. Too many it's, Last it's Mans. It's hard because they're so different, but the names are too close. I know. I know. It's really true. Dermot Mulrooney and McDermott. Tried to get them to change. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... I guess at that point when I was watching Last Man on Earth, I went from me liking you guys to, to I don't like these guys. They're too good at this. It seems effortless. It got negative. Yeah, it did. I was so happy when everything went sideways on Star Wars. <laughs> That's something I would do. Yeah. I could find myself in that pickle. <laughs> you could relate achievable. to us. <laughs> uh. And then it only got compounded when I had directed a live action movie and the studio liked it. So they said, why don't you come over and take over this animated project? And I've never done it. And then I realized it's so hard. Oh my God, <laughs> is it hard? I was so bad at it. It was so hard. It was a year and a half of my life. And again, I went back to, these guys are incredible. They're impossible. And then your guys' meet cute is really wonderful. Mm. So I think we should maybe start there. You guys were classmates. It's true. We went to college together. Which college? It was Dartmouth College. I knew it was going to be a fancy one. Fancy school for fancy people. Is that where Mindy Kaling it was? It is. True fact. Did you I, we cross did. Paths? She was a freshman when we were seniors, and we were in the same improv group together. Oh, my God. Cool. Really? It's true. I love that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Dartmouth to me seems like maybe the sweet spot where you don't have to apologize you went there. You can say <laughs> it. It's a good school. You don't have to right. say I went into school in Boston. Boston. Or yeah. In New Haven, Connecticut. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so there's a lot of schools up there. They're sort of like the party version of the fancy school. I mm -hmm. love that. 
Where are you originally from, Chris? I'm from the Seattle area, Lake Stevens, Washington. Oh, wonderful. I'm very well versed in Seattle. Oh, yeah? Dated a girl that was from there for nine years. Marysville, Everett, oh Talela Reservation, Walla Walla Sweet Onions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come here. <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up on the same street as Chris Pratt. Oh! I'm goodness. the second most famous Chris from Lake Stevens. That's not What's the fair. name of the street? It's called Davies Road. There it is. Oh, my god! He had to ruin that for I you. I know, right? That's not nice. Let me make a sales pitch for you guys. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Washington folks, yeah. rugged. Look at me. You're describing <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. And liberal. Yeah. It was confusing for me being from Detroit. I went there. I was like, this guy's going to knife me. He's got a big beard and a sweet truck. And then he was like, we got to make marriage equal. <laughs> and he was really aggressive about it. Yeah. 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 You can be both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like it. Your parents, were they in the aerospace industry? Were they in tech? My last name is Miller. My dad runs a uh, lumber mill. Oh, he Like does. makes shakes and shingles. And he's in the timber industry. Ooh. Big industry up there. Yeah. Was he so bombed that you weren't like going? The family business? Yeah, yeah. I think he realized pretty early on that I was not, I spent one week that was supposed to be a summer job shoveling sawdust and Ooh. I was like this isn't gonna fly and I found myself a job at a country music radio station writing ads oh, oh there we go but was he involved with just the processing or was he also doing the cutting the excavation of the lumber where does he get involved it was my grandpa's company and my dad and his brother have been running it and now it's like a family company there's a mill and there's the whole thing do you have brothers or sisters I've who got will take two it over? sisters okay and neither one of them Neither went into the timber business. I went to visit the mill and they have a machine that scans the log Ooh. and then does a bunch of math to decide the most efficient oh. way to slice the log up based on to the moment prices. Like, oh, a two by four is worth a little oh. more than a, I don't know what else there is. Well, generally the longer, <laughs> the more valuable. And wood's expensive right now, it guys. It is. Maybe you could hook us up. We're doing a lot of projects. You want some shingles. I see that. Yeah. You profiteer. <laughs> I tell you what, a pocket, <laughs> right, a little skim. <laughs> Dropped it right Gotta wet my beak a little. <laughs> yeah. You saw this COVID thing coming and you started oh, shopping yeah. for yachts. And then how about you, Phil? What area of the country are you from? I grew up in the Seattle of Florida, Miami. Oh, oh wow. Another mid-sized port city by the way we're all three are the same age which i That's love right. and then so your father was in aviation in the 80s in miami true fact what's my next question oh is that a way of asking did he ever get was he a drug mule yeah did he oh. smuggle did he ever get approached you know to smuggle i am sure people that worked for him could have been involved in that but not my dear old dad sweet sweet Wally Lord is too circumspect, would never do such a thing. In fact, he probably hurt the business because he found out. So one of the businesses was a repair shop and they did a bunch of work for UPS that manages this huge fleet of planes. But the reason they had this account was because we were bribing them. Oh. And then he found out that they were being bribed and he was like, we got to stop that. Oh and they're God. like, great, we're going to go down the street to the other guys. So he walked away from an enormous contract. Too ethical. Too ethical. Unlike the Miller's own. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh Clear-cutting America. <laughs> yeah. But it was everywhere. There were like three drug dealers on my street. Yeah. Oh, my God. There were like different, like, don't go play with like 
Danny's kids. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what was originally making the headlines when we were younger were salacious, the Black Widow gunning down people in front of the shopping center. But now that there's more and more docs coming out, you realize like every Tom, Dick, and Harry was involved in it in some way. There's a couple great ones. Yeah, the Billy Corbin ones, Cooking Cowboys. Love the Cooking Cowboys mm. ones. But even more playful is that Bad Sport series on Netflix. Have well, you guys watched that? No. It's great. It's incredible. It's by the guys who did Wild Wild Country. Oh, loved Wild Love Wild Country. It. So there was this guy. He's a hillbilly from Appalachia, moves down to Florida when he's like 13. He's an outcast. He gets a job contracting. They asked, can you get weed? I know guys at school. Now he builds this into a thing. I'm going to cut to the chase. He'd always want to be a race car driver. He ends up with a fucking full-blown ocean-going tanker that he buys, and it's loaded with like 150 tons of marijuana or shipments, hundreds of millions of dollars. Just a good old nice guy. Starts racing. He's a natural. He wins the SCCA his first year. He raced in the Indy 500. He was rookie of the year. It's the cutest, most lovable That's story. That's amazing. And it was always weed, no coke. And you realize like, oh, there was also tons of people like that. Right. Yeah. That's amazing that weed made its way into his dream. Yes. Yeah. Well, we've been to Vancouver a few times for work. And the thing that I thought was remarkable was that there would be people in like a fleece pullover and then they would get into like a Lamborghini. Oh. And I was like, oh, right. This is another mid-sized port city with an illicit drug mm. trade underlying all of its industry. Well, I think it's in Cocaine Cowboys where they're saying that the average Federal Reserve cash holdings at any given time, there's like 20 of them throughout the country, was somewhere on the order of like 40 to 50 million in cash. And that the Florida Federal Reserve always had like six to seven billion dollars oh in cash. God. It was like preposterous. <laughs> and the economy was booming when the whole country was hitting the skids. It just touched everything. Were you aware of it? No, not at all. Other than that Miami Vice was on the air and like would shoot in like a house in the neighborhood and that was like the coolest thing that could happen is Miami Vice was shooting your neighborhood. Hell yeah. Or like they shot in like my friend's house. Oh my wow. God. And it just blew everybody's wow. mind. Was Sonny there? Crockett? Was he in the scene? Sonny Crockett was there. Philip Michael Thomas was there. <laughs> oh it just was like we were all crowding around like with our little Toys R Us skateboards watching the whole thing go down. So you didn't see any kind of violence or anything related to it? Nothing like that. It's just that you realize like, oh, anyone who had a bank account, anyone who took out a loan from a local bank was touching the money. Yeah, yeah. And that like, oh, my friend, he had that uncle that would just like show up with like a bunch of just fans. <laughs> like, you know, like an entire truck with a whole gross of fans. Okay. You'd be like, all right, so that was not right. And then I had a classmate in high school who like disappeared. And then he didn't show up to the first day at school. And then his dad was on the news. Oh my gosh. And like, oh, he's part of the Medellin drug cartel and okay. had to like skip town. Oh my, you would have loved So it was that. all there. You just like, you didn't realize yeah. until like it would like pop up. Yeah. And again, maybe more of these documentaries will be like, well, find out your teacher or or phil, like phil. what if i watch a documentary and i'm like i was a courier the whole time i thought yeah. i was just like jv cross country but i was why do i have to wear a backpack while i'm running i, understand. <laughs> I can tell phil that that's not a joke the jv cross country yeah i wasn't good enough to be varsity <laughs> cross country but you look like a long distance runner yeah i could <laughs> yeah totally i see, see it. endurance yeah you don't have to have skill you just have to have that's not true will and you have to be catholic enough and self flagellating enough to just take the pain. You have to be mad enough at yourself. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so you're at Dartmouth, and then this is really cute too. You both have your own column 
in the school newspaper. We each had our own comic strip. Comic strip. Yeah, we drew comic strips in the school paper. But independently. Independently, independently. Chris took over for Jake Tapper. <gasps> That's right. You guys. You've already said so many names. Oh, yeah. Chris Pratt. Dropping names. Oh, Jake so Tapper. You dropped Mindy. Yeah, Bo but in their they picked it up. We picked it up <laughs> when you dropped it. So did you guys know Jake? I know he interviewed me. My senior year, because he was working for a newspaper somewhere, but he also worked for the alumni magazine, and he interviewed me for the alumni magazine, and that's when I met him for the first time. Okay. Wow. But he was the outgoing cartoonist. That's right. The year before. What's more likely to get you in there? Clever content or, like, great artistic skills? A willingness to do it, I think. Okay. It's a small school. Anyone who could do it. <laughs> They're like, ah, you're willing to do it regularly? Then you got the job. All right, then let me ask a better question. What part of it did you excel at? A clever concept or like the execution of the artwork? I would say the artwork for mine was way less sophisticated than the artwork for Phil's. It was all about okay. the joke for me. But Chris was excellent at being able to think of an idea and execute it in 45 minutes at like midnight, right before the deadline, uh -huh. which is why his strip appeared daily and mine appeared inconsistently weekly. Okay. <laughs> You're a perfectionist. Yes, but also very messy. And they weren't very funny, as I recall. They just were, like, elaborate. Okay. So I was, like, trying to be Windsor McKay or some shit, and Chris was just being funny and cute and good. And then how do you guys cross paths? So we met freshman week. A friend of ours was like, oh, I know someone just as weird as you, and, like, made a match. Oh, wow. Oh. But we really didn't become friends until I accidentally lit Phil's girlfriend's hair on fire. Okay. Oh my. She was playing a game called Jewel Box, which was like Tetris, and I was playing a game called Let's See How Close I Can Get This Lighter to Heather's Hair Without Her Noticing. Oh. And I won, and her oily hair caught fire terribly. Oh, oh and no. It smelled terrible. She was okay. She didn't really notice. Yes, I just got blue <laughs> on her head. And, and so Chris and I locked eyes over him putting the hair out, and she's like, Oh, What's no. up, guys? Why are you playing with my hair? And we both made a decision not to say anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> and what's that smell? Burnt hair smells terrible. Yeah. And it smelled terrible for quite a while. I think precipitated the ultimate breakup. And there uh, you go. It was a factor. Sure. Well, oily hair also doesn't sound all that appealing. That was fun. Oh, you love the oil. It was yeah. so smooth. Natural. <laughs> so smooth. Almost wet. Yeah. A nice shine. I don't mind an oily hair. There's a line. That's right. There's a limit. There's a line. Like bedhead, it looks sexy. Right. Matted down like a wet rat, it's a yeah. bummer. When do you guys start working together? Because the part of your story that I read seems just frankly suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm being serious. Which version did you read? Okay, I read a version where Michael Eisner came across your guys' thing. This is true. This also involves Jake Tapper. Yeah, it's a very article that Jake Tapper wrote. This is like the most story of like privilege. Like, Rename the show Privilege Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> privilege Peak. Again, it's not a replicable situation for anybody. Yeah. Sure. But that article about me had made its way to the Walt Disney Company and into the hands of Michael Eisner. But how? See, this is the part. One of his kids who we didn't know was a different time than us had gone to Dartmouth. And because of that, they would send him mail in the hopes that someday he would donate money to the college, which he never did. Yeah. And so because of that, I guess he was flipping through a thing on the story goes on the Jet and South's article, sent it to someone who sent it to someone who sent it to someone who called me. What was me. the meat of the article? The title of the article <laughs> is... 
the next Dr. Seuss, question mark. Because oh. Dr. Seuss had gone to Dartmouth. Also, just to name drop yet again. Wow. wow. We really have a high density. Oh, privileged town. <laughs> also, what a big swing. I know. The answer was no, by next the way. Next Einstein. <laughs> next Walt Disney. Emphatic no. <laughs> <laughs> and it had a picture of Chris holding like a pencil. And then they comped in. The cartoon character. Sleazy the Wonder Squirrel, yeah. his character from his comic strip. Oh. Okay. It had some distortions. That's right. I had interned at ILM one summer while they were making the Star Wars prequels and it said that I had designed the dinosaurs for the new Star Wars <laughs> okay. movies. Uh-oh. And I was like, this is wrong for like four reasons. Not to impugn the journalistic integrity of Mr. Tapper. No, we can't. He learned. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, got to some lower level person who ended up calling me in my off-campus apartment. They said, oh, would you like to fly out to Los Angeles for a meeting? And I said, I can't. I have midterms. No. Sure. And then I said to my buddy Phil and I, are moving out to Hollywood you when made we two graduate. huge mistakes. Can I bring my friend? And also, let me save you some money and I'll just fly myself out for the meeting. I will send you our VHS tapes of our films and meet you in the summertime. How about this? I imagine the window of his interest in me is huge. I'm sure he'll be thinking about this article for months. So let's just count on him still being interested in one year. How's that sound, gang? It was crazy. I feel like they hung up. They're like, they're playing hard to get. I guess they they must have other offers. I don't know what's going on. Could it work to your advantage? It ended up working. We moved to Los Angeles and we go into that meeting, which was rescheduled for like, you know, three months later. At least. Yeah, it could have been five months. Anyway, it was a very short meeting, and the guy was just sort of like, I liked your films. We'd love for you to work here. This is Eisner. No. No, this is Barry Blumberg, at that time the head of Walt Disney Television Animation. There was like a game of telephone. It went from like Eisner gave it to Charles Hirshhorn, gave it to Dean Valentine. By the time it gets to Barry, it's like, these are Eisner's boys. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. That could go either way. It was a five-minute meeting. And we got hired to make up Saturday morning cartoons. And our classmates who all, you know, got hired by investment banks and together took down the world financial system. <laughs> <laughs> they were all making the same money as us in their, like, first crazy year of interning or whatever. And we felt really lucky because they were, like, working 100-hour weeks. And we were, like, drawing cartoons in our underpants. Yeah. Wow. This is like Mandy Moore's story. Like, there's some impossibilities. Yeah. I guess this is a relief. I don't know anything about Michael Eisner. We still have not yeah. ever met him. Oh, okay. Well, good. I won't even be risking y'all's friendship. Oh, Uncle Mikey. You know. <laughs> yeah, like the Mandy Moore one. But to be honest, when I hear like, oh, Michael Eisner was combing through a fucking college's to look for... It doesn't Sounds sound sketchy. right. Well, it's because... Eric Eisner went there. The development office at Dartmouth was always trying to get money. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense now. But this is not too far off of, like, some of the Weinstein stories. Like, I can't believe it. Walt Disney Company calling me. I saw your picture in a thing. Well, fly you out. Eisner's lawyer is calling us as we speak. Again, I don't know him. That's where my We're not making any accusations. No, no. But I'm delighted to hear it. And now it's a comment. All worked out great. He made no effort to meet us once we were hired. (laughs) So is the first thing you guys do clone high there? That was the first thing that we ever did that got made, really. (laughs) I relate to it in so many ways because... For most people. Now, there's others. There's like Quentin Tarantino. It's like, comes out and he's fucking brilliant. But then for most of us, boy, is it a learning curve. The amount of failures. If you just learn of you guys because of Lego Movie, you would really not have the full story. 
And I just think it's always a great, I don't want to say message because I'm not trying to educate anyone, but just what perseverance is, what fucking up and learning from it is, what is taking advice from other people, like what that whole experience, you've just had a ton of it is what I learned about And what like overnight success is, which is like seven years of work. Our first movie, we started making it in 2006, so it's like... Mm -hmm. Nine years after moving here. Making Cloudy. And that was a movie we started directing a year after we had gotten fired from it as writers. Oh, (laughs) weird. So first you write this script. They can you and they bring in another writer or writers. Which happens a lot. Happens a lot. And then they fire them and then they come back to you. Now, here we go. This is where there's a lesson in here. A lot of people are like, fuck that. We were right. But no, you come back and you start working on it again, right? Right. They had fired then the directors as well. And so we said, we'll come back, but we have to be the actual creative authors of it. And we had no leg to stand. It was like we were anybody, but they were like, you know what? We'll take a flyer on these guys. It was like literally every three months they could fire us along the process. That's what I was going to say. Like there was a conversation at some point somewhere where someone says, oh, let's fucking bring them back and see what happens. Give them three months. And there's never like an official green light because they could just keep spending a little more money. They told us they greenlit the movie. Four times. Right. And then my favorite one was when they called us and said, good news, they feel like they would have lost more money on the movie if they don't finish it than if they do. So you're 100% greenlit. We're like, what? I thought we were making this thing. And they're like, no, but now we really It's a true it. vote of confidence. Yeah. Wow. They've yeah. passed the point of no return. Congratulations. Also, Clone High... Callie, my best friend, loved Clone High. Great taste, your friend Callie. I always like Callie. She does have great taste. What an iconic well, show. Well, but then Clone High was made, and then it was thrown away, right? Yeah, it blew up pretty badly. The concept is clones of famous historical figures that go to high school together. So it was like JFK and Cleopatra and Joan of Arc. Unfortunately, Gandhi. And Abe Lincoln. And we were really worried that the Kennedy stuff was going to be in poor taste. Their like, peach pit on that show was called yeah. The Grassy Knoll. Oh, okay. There's a lot of assassination <laughs> comedy. Yeah. Sure. And so we're like, man, the Democratic Party is probably going to shut us down. And then it was instead our Gandhi character, the concept was that he was worried about living up to the original Gandhi. So he's like, fuck it, I'm going to go the other way. Sure. And so then there was an article about it in India that said that Gandhi wore an earring and ate junk food. <laughs> and there was a hunger strike. A, for a real hunger strike. A for Monica. real hunger strike. 150 politicians in the lobby of the MTV India offices. Gandhi's grandson also was. He was part of it. The day this happens, Tom Freston, then the head of Viacom, happens to be visiting the offices. And they said, we'll revoke your broadcasting license in India unless you take the show off the air. Oh, my God. They're like, a billion people or a (laughs) low-rated animated comedy. What should we do? How long did the strike go on? I think once they said, we'll take the show off the air, they all went home. I guess what I'm wondering, was that like an (laughs) afternoon? The hunger strike only lasted like daytime. Okay, so, so it's it like like more of a fasting. fasting. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that was like the Modi crew. Oh. Yeah, that's like the proto nationalist. Proto Modi. Yeah. Interesting. Fun to say. Oh boy. Juicy. <laughs> That's what I love about Indians, though. Uh, that's not a good part. <laughs> yeah, about no, I us. love it. So feisty. We do have conviction. Very assertive. That's right. That's good. I like it. So that kills the show. Yes. But it comes back. 20 years later. Now we're making a second and third season of the show. No way. That's going to come on HBO Max. With Gandhi or without? That's a great question. You'll have to wait to find out. Oh my God, oh. what a great cliffhanger. 
No, you guys played it safer this time, and it's one of the Shahs. What is it? Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, God. Iran. Uh, uh, what's his name? Tola Khomeini. Tola Khomeini's <laughs> clone. Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> the kids are going to love it. That's so exciting. Are you a little bit like, yeah, fuck you guys. Now we get to come back and do our original show because we're really famous and really <laughs> revered now, and fuck you. Yeah. India? I'm going to guess you guys don't have that because you couldn't have that and have sustained and gone through all the hurdles. Do you hold on to grudges like that? Chip on our shoulders. Uh -huh. Like a motivating one. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. But very few grudges. I think Florida's Secretary of State, Catherine Harris. Okay. <laughs> Let's get her out in the ether, yeah. yeah. What's your beef Still with Still in a grudge. That's sure. the whole Gore Bush thing. Oh, okay. I'm still mad about that. Chads? Hanging Chads, hang yes. This is some timely this stuff, This is a blast guys. from the past. This is real timely stuff. 80s drug cartel stuff and fucking hanging yeah, Chads. Privileged Mountain. <laughs> That's what we talk about. Way upon the peak of Privileged Mountain. I say. Four gather to talk about their improbable rise but very predictable rise <laughs> so is the turning point the success of cloudy where like things are changing pretty dramatically we worked on a string of sitcoms for seven plus years most of which were canceled immediately and then the one time we were on a show that wasn't going to be canceled that we enjoyed which was how i met your mother we left yeah, to go quit. make cloudy with me Right before like, the money goes. This is too yeah, this good. This doesn't feel like love. The hours are good. Cast the is people friendly. People are nice. Our friends are running it. Yeah. It's going to eventually be valued at a billion dollars. Let's get out of here. Let's blow this popsicle stand. <laughs> Goodbye. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Wayfair. Home should be your happy place, a space where you can relax and just enjoy yourself, whatever that looks like for you. Whether you want the ultimate man cave, a cozy Victorian-inspired nook for reading, an area for family movie night filled with all things retro or something else. And if you need help creating that space, I recommend Wayfair. It's the place to shop for everything home, from sofas to dining tables, beds, rugs, wall art, and more. I bought a KitchenAid... Mixer? Mixer on Wayfair. You can really get anything on there. And I'm helping a friend redo his living room. And we just... You're just on Wayfair on. nonstop. Yep. Yeah, it's one-stop shop. It is. They have fast, free shipping. They have everything you need for your home inside and out. And they have a huge selection of home goods and a variety of styles. Whatever you're into, Wayfair is the go-to destination to help bring your vision to life. Every style is welcome in the Waberhood. Visit Wayfair.com or get the Wayfair mobile app. That's W-A-Y-F-A-I-R.com. Wayfair. Every style, every home. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is your typical radio ad while eating a Crunch Bar. This is Automatic of Auto's Used Cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale. Bring the kids. See for yourself. It is huge. You're going to make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have 
a whale like this. When things sound dull, turn up the fun with Crunch. At the time, was it just always a very flexible North Star or was there something you guys were certain you wanted to be doing, but then you were like, well, we'll do this in the meantime. What was the priority list for you guys creatively? In terms of like working in features, I think we felt like careers are long. We got a job in TV. Let's see if we can get any good at this. And that thing will work itself out. Whereas we had a lot of friends who were writing screenplays in the middle of the night and stuff. For the first few years, we didn't really do that. The first screenplay we ever wrote was Cloudy, which is why probably we got fired. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a great story in here, and I don't know how you feel about it in retrospect, but Amy Pascal. We've made a bunch of movies with Amy. She was the president of Sony. The head of the studio. She was a part of the North Korean hacks where she had like talked shitty about some people in a fucking She email. wrote some emails that yeah. were not all positive. I've read a lot of emails in Hollywood. They don't really make the top 1,000. Our emails are in that. <laughs> oh, they are. Congratulations. What did they say? There were some embarrassing things. Oh, tell us. Speaking well, ill of some people. Asked. Chris is much more circumspect. It was somebody was like, Phil, if you ran the circus, like what's your advice about how this division of the company could be run better. I said, oh, well, and I rolled up my sleeve, you put it all asked. on paper. Oh my God. <laughs> Signed it. I literally listed people. <laughs> I thought of that, it was super smart. Oh, by the way, I would have started that email with finally, you've asked. Like, <laughs> That's it, how I felt. Yes, in my mind, I'm always like, they're gonna ask me eventually. You don't have to write an email, Phil. You could just tell me, I'm, no, I want this. <laughs> in writing. <laughs> right. Yeah. In perpetuity. But yeah, so she didn't like the early animatic of Cloudy because it was just a lot of jokes and no emotional story. And we were like, what do you want? And she slammed the table and said, I want a story. And then she stormed oh out of the room. So yeah. Hollywood. I know, right? right? And then she had us work with this woman, Lindsay Duran, who's the greatest human she being. She used to run United Artists, and she has this business as a script whisperer. Oh. And she secretly goes and gives people advice. How cool. On movies and television. But and she worked on everything you ever liked. She worked on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Never seen it. Go ahead. <laughs> she produced Dead Again. You made that up. Sense and Sensibility. Oh. Yeah. oh, wow. She has a romantic flair. Yeah. She can do it all. Spinal Tap. It's like Sense and Sensibility. It's basically yeah. Naked Gun. Oh, yes. So she's like a person who makes pretty good movies amazing. And yeah. so she helped us make the story into something that was actually an emotional story that made sense and you cared about the characters and what was happening. And at first we thought we were too cool for school. We didn't want to be sincere because it was... Yeah. Too vulnerable, and so we had to learn how to open up our hearts and be sincere and try to also be funny at the same time, and it made the comedy well, better. Let's start by saying we're all funny because we felt like we were going to get murdered by yeah. the jock <laughs> in the football team. And so the last thing you're thinking is like, no, 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 I developed this to defend myself against that. I'm not going to be sincere. No, if I do that, I get hurt. Yes, it's antithetical to this whole thing you just bought. Were you a late bloomer because you're now tall and strapping? You know what's weird? I trigger in so many people that I am the dude who shoved you in high I school. I instinctually feared you when we met. <laughs> I, I skateboarded, I snowboarded, all my friends were artists, I did not like Jocks, but I was like a very trauma kid, fucked up. All my friends were fucked up. I was an outcast. You saw Minding the Gap. What one is that? That great documentary. It's about a skate crew 
and the director is amazing, just started shooting them. They were like 14. Then he shot footage for like seven years. Whoa. And as they grew, the more he learned about his crew, the more he realized they were all victims of abusive households. Yeah. And that's how they found each other, but they didn't know. It's a great film. I have to see that. Well, because I just watched the Tony Hawk documentary that was just made by Sam Jones called When the Wheels Fall Off. I haven't seen it. He's a great filmmaker, though. It's incredible. And it's that. Like, none of us that got drawn to that scene had a dad practicing anything with us. Because everyone else had a leg up. So if I went to play soccer, it's like, their dads have been kicking a ball with him. But as skateboard, we all started knowing what the fuck to do. It wasn't embraced by the elite of my school. So you had a (laughs) shot. You were all learning it. And no one had a leg up. I brought a very specific type of kid together. The people that are often intimidated by Dax, he's often intimidated by. Like when we had Mike, I always reference that. Mike, sure. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Oh, he's intimidated. Well, yeah. We had a meeting with him two days ago. (laughs) Oh, you did? (laughs) We did Brooklyn Nine-Nine together many moons ago. Oh. That's not the issue for me. Not only is he smart, he's a good person. I know. I know. He's so good. I, I hate him so much. I do. I hate <laughs> he's his too guts. good. He's smart and good? Guts. Come on. I literally was five minutes into the Zoom. I'm like, I need to be a better person. I need to read more. I'm not smart enough. Yeah. Who am yeah. I kidding? We love Mike. It's true. In that process, though, a lot of people, the head of the studio says, where's the fucking story? And then you spend the next 10 weeks convincing your agent. They don't understand why we're brilliant. You don't meet with the person. You learn nothing from her, the whisperer, and just nothing ever happens. Right. So I guess my question is, if being a team has been maybe helpful in those moments. A hundred percent. We first had to learn how to work together and then how to be open to each other's ideas. Because, you know, we both (laughs) are making our own stupid we're getting pretty good at it. (laughs) Turning the corner, I thought, just this morning. (laughs) It's hard. It's really hard. To share credit, to share identity. Oh, I see it this way, and I see it this way, and like, who wins this debate? And then you have to find another way or understand where the other person's coming from, and it's like being married. Without the fun part. Exactly. (laughs) Have you ever done couples therapy together? We've talked about it. We've talked about it, but we're too... I mean, his dad is a miller. My dad is (laughs) not airplane parts. We don't do, do this it. sort of thing. I think my guess for that is you're afraid you'll break the house of cards that were built upon. That whatever you would fix is the fuel in the engine that makes you guys. Maybe there's that. My mother is a therapist. A Cuban yes. therapist. A Cuban therapist. And she says, you know, some things shouldn't be examined. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow. She was like, some wow. things, if it works. We've patched over it, it it's fine. Well. Yeah, maybe you don't want to go Let's under the hood. Unravel yeah. the sweater. <laughs> but for sure, when you Wait have a meeting now. like that, immediately Immediately you bristle and be like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. This is good. We're Jesus. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it only takes one of you to go like, well, maybe we should consider what she's saying. Let's listen. So do, who generally has that role or does it flip-flop? We flip-flop. We swap it, I would say, mostly Chris. He's the less hot-headed. Sometimes I get hot-headed. Unless he gets hot-headed and then I immediately swap roles. <laughs> That's okay. good. And I'm yeah. wonderful. Uh-huh. I should get more See, hot-headed. If you want often. me to be a great you know guy. <laughs> Just piss this guy off. So it's a flip-flopping good cop, bad cop. Yeah, okay. it is. Sort of an instinctive good cop, bad cop. But you learn that the way out of loggerheads is you generate a new third thing that neither one of you would think of. And you learn to value the conversation and know that the conversation is the engine that's the creative entity, not me and not Chris. Mm. Right. And it helps you not have this sort of auteur theory where it's like everything that comes out of my brain is brilliant. You're always kind of like, 
I'm thinking about, I want to make this thing that Phil is going to like, because then it's going to be great. And if Phil likes it, then he can build on it and make it better, make my life better. And then you can open it up to the entire crew and then other people can bring their ideas and you don't have to be like, well, it didn't come from me, so I'm not interested. You can be like, that's a great idea. This is going to be great. And it's going to make all of us look great. So the downside, in my opinion, is like neither one of you will ever get full credit. And that's a bummer. We all want kind of full credit, human nature. We come out that way, kind of piggy, piggy. (laughs) I am greedy little piggy. Yeah, no, that's true. Right? The upside of it is, and this is what I always say, I'm so grateful to be married to Kristen because whatever I do is not very impressive. And that's so fucking healthy for me. I think the fact that neither of you can take too much credit probably is very good for you just long-term It's grounding for sure. People don't hold you up as a singular genius who is a vessel for ideas from God. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that's a healthy way to imagine creative people. That's just a person and they get ideas and they're able to write them down and they're pretty good. You also mitigate the risk of the very, very common downfall of a talented director, which is their first movie they make, they had to appease a lot of people above them. You start in this process where you're going to get a lot of notes and you have to receive them because you have no success. And then you have a hit. And then the next time you don't have to compromise as much. And if that one works, by the third movie, no one can check you and most people can't handle that. So I think the fact that you check each other all the time even when it gets elevated, has to be beneficial. A hundred percent, because I think we are the toughest critics on our own stuff and we are ruthless on it. And I think it comes from anxiety and being scared of making something that nobody likes. But you need friction. You know, that's part of it. You can't fly without there being like tooth to the atmosphere, right? There Uh has to be something that pushes against your ideas and it's that conversation that makes it good. So a lot of times for us, that's just watching the movie and imagining what an audience is going to experience. I'm so glad you just referenced the dynamics of Lyft. Yeah, that's right. Here was a physics lesson here for all of us. I really like it. I was watching the Wu-Tang Clan documentary. Mm -hmm. I don't know if either of you have seen that. I wasn't even a Wu-Tang fan, per se. I know how much people love them, so I wanted to watch it. I'm watching it, and the coolest thing that they did was they bring all these guys that are in the Wu-Tang Clan into this theater, and they just start spitting rhymes to each other they've come up with, right? And they're older! All the success in the world. And then they pull, like, Method Man aside, and they're like, what was going on? He's like, all I want to do still, I'm just trying to impress so-and-so. And they each had a guy in their crew who they They're always honest. still wanted to impress. And I was like, that is the purest, best form of creative fuel. And so it sounds like you have that. Like yeah. you want Phil to go, oh, that's oh, great, dude. That's the best. And I have a little Phil on my shoulder when I'm writing a scene and Phil has a little Chris. And they're both like, <laughs> it's like, a, oh, he's going to think this is dumb. Like there's a lot of like, I'm cheating here and I'm trying to like whistle past the graveyard and not let anybody see that this is fundamentally broken and he's going to bust me on this. And I know that like I'm writing this 10 page scene that should be one page. (laughs) Chris going to bust me on that. You bring up something though. And my wife doesn't have it as much. Monica has it a lot. She and I are always doing this. You know, if you're an actor, you see shit happening in a movie and you're like, he wanted to get out. He's not in the wide. You know, these are little things you pick up. Similarly, as a writer, I'm watching something and I'm like, they just didn't give a fuck. They were like, you know what? This doesn't add up. Someone had to have flagged this. And they were like, fuck it. And it drives me insane. Do you guys have a hard time with that? Yeah. And I'd say that the people we collaborate with the best are people who will do it for free. 
and that they look at something and they flag it. We work with some really great people that are on a mixing stage right now doing something. And something happened when we thought we were done. And then they said, oh, you know what? Somebody came in here and they flagged something for us on their off day. And we drove in and fixed it. And that's like up and down the crew. There are maniacs. Right. They care so much about the stuff. Yeah. That it doesn't matter. And that's how we are. I care so much about it being good. Yeah. It is a delicate balance. So you want the people to have enough ownership over the movie you're all making together that they come in on their day off or that they fix it out of the goodness of their heart, right? And also you can't have everyone making their own movie because everyone also has their own movie in their head. It's your job, you know, as the head of the ship to point everybody in what success looks like. And you go like, stuff in this direction is what we're going for. And if you have an idea that you think will be in this direction over here, but not over there, then it's going to make it into the movie. Yeah. And that's when people will go home and be like, I had this idea and I just wanted to work it out myself. And I brought it in. What do you think? And you go like, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, nine times out of 10, you're like, that's great. Let's do it. Or you'd be like, that's great, but it doesn't quite fit for what we're doing for this thing. It's awesome, but it's not going to work for this. Okay. So on that topic, who's it most heartbreaking to give the bad news to? Actors, writers, animators, production design. Who do you have the hardest time going like, that is so funny, but is it actors? (laughs) Yes. That's the hardest part because we're trying to please them so much and also if their creativity feels diminished right then they like lose whatever that thing is that makes it awesome it's so precarious an early lesson remember when we asked rob riggle who's the most amazing guy like just take it down a tiny bit and then he did a take and it was a boring. Uh. And then the next take, we were like, I will never say that to you again. Yeah. (laughs) Just kidding. Go for it. Bring your heart and your life and everything. And I'm sorry I ever said that. And I think if you have an attitude of, we're going to try it this way, we're going to try it that way. We won't have options in the edit. Because we're two of us, if we have a disagreement about how the scene should be or how something should be. We have multiple takes. We'd be like, okay, let's do it this way. Yeah. And yeah. let's do it that way. And as long as everybody knows that we're going to try a bunch of stuff and it's not about what they're doing, it's just about having options in the edit room, I feel like actors get a lot more comfortable being like, oh, we're going to play around. And if they really trust that you're not going to pick the bad take. That's yes, the biggest yes, thing yes, for yes, an yes. actor is that they have to feel like I can fail in a take and I'm not going to be afraid that it's going to show up on screen and make me look You're not going to hang anyone out to yeah. dry. That's the part of your career that gets easier is that you have the product to make people feel safe. Right. So if I've seen all your movies and no one look like an idiot, I at least know going in like, <laughs> okay, take David O. Russell. You can't find a bad performance in any movie he's ever made. You might have seen an actor in something, they were horrendous and you think they can't act. They're in a David O. Russell movie. They're fucking brilliant. Like you could go in there and if he says, put this banana up your ass, it's going to work. <laughs> Like, all right. I all bet right. it's gonna. It seems like it's impossible, but I trust you. I read an interview with Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips' own personal take on comedy is it has to be dangerous or it's not funny. I personally subscribe to that hugely. Predictability is not funny. You want to be surprised, right? And so being dangerous is like you're on the edge of your seat. And I think comedy and horror are very similar. They're like eliciting an auditory response that was not planned. You're like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And it works or it doesn't. (laughs) Oh, of course. You laugh or you don't, you scream or you don't. I think part of that is feeling uncomfortable and tension and then the release of that tension. Yeah, I try to explain to my little girls because they're seven and nine and it's like, what's comedy? And I say, well, I think in the, purest form right it's just when the unexpected happens and so they're supposed to climb the staircase normally but boy god they've fallen down and now they're you know like that's not how it's supposed to work 
Especially if they're grown up. I'm gonna put a shoe on your head. Shoes don't go on your head. They go on your feet. Well, also kids are trying to figure stuff out all the time. So their whole life is about like, does the shoe go on your head? So when you play with that, yes. it's really satisfying. It is. Like you're worried about that too? So am I. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Do you guys have comedy directing heroes? Oh man. I mean the Coens well, who have always been up there for us. Hal Ashby. Oh sure. We just showed this movie, The Landlord, at the Cinematheque. I haven't seen it's that. It's his like first movie. Oh, I really? really recommend it. He was an editor, right? Academy Award winning editor. He did Harold and Maude, which is a movie that Bill and I bonded over. Greatest movie as a kid. What an anthem for the outcast, right? Oh my God. Yeah. I saw it when I was way too young. To me too. It. My dad would watch it. My dad told me and my sister, who was even younger, to watch it. I saw Scarface in the theater with my grandpa, and oh, we're the same boy. age. Oh, oh my. Yeah. Wow. That's great. What did you think? Oh my God, when they cut the guy <laughs> up with the chainsaw in the bathroom, I was just like, oh my God, that's the world we live in. Like people get cut up. <laughs> yeah, were you scared? Terrified. It changed my worldview. I think it really did. You were like, look at how happy this guy is. He's rich. <laughs> I should get rich. True. <laughs> I need guns. I need yayo. I need to get rich. Yeah, I think I was like, I better get fit. Like, <laughs> because you never know when someone's coming in the window with a world's chainsaw. dangerous. Yeah, that's so true. But Ashby, one of the things he does that I love is if there's a plane going overhead during a take, he just rolls. Sure. And he just puts it in the movie. Or like as an editor, like the scene's over and then one person leaves and then you're with the other person and they like open the fridge and pour a glass of orange juice and then take a sip and then he cuts the scene and you're like, why did we do that? It's just weird. And the other thing he'll do is in Harold and Maude, there's a long conversation that is continuous and across a sentence he changes locations. Oh. And they continue the thought in the new place. Oh my God. And it's amazing. So it, like the story is on track, the emotions are huge, and somehow I can still be really loose with the form. What attracted us to that type of stuff is like, it's doing something new and trying something different and always like trying to push the boundaries of what has been done and what can be done and what people think of a film. If you're just doing something that feels like, oh, this is a good version of one of these things that we've seen yeah. under times where it's very boring. But if it's a thing that hasn't been done before, it gets very exciting for us. We are attracted to novel stuff. We Absolutely. Like new, novel, unexpected, dopamine. So you ran the room for Last Man on Earth? No, we produced it and That's directed. Forte. That's like the mind of Will Forte. We came up with the idea together. Yeah. He's a brilliant genius and very, very, very particular. Right. And that show is so him. He might be my favorite comedian that works. Very, very funny. He cracks us up. He's so goddamn authentic. It's insane. How do you assist somebody in doing that? So Forte, we've known since he was a writer. In the 70s show? Yeah, he was on 70s show writing. And we met him. He did a bit at the Aspen Comedy Festival where he and this guy, Mike Schwartz, all they did was say the words... Ain't no party like an Otis Day party because an Otis Day party don't quit. Okay. For 10 minutes straight. Beautiful. With different inflections. Yeah, yeah. He was at the Growlings and we would see him there and he was doing wild sketches, just repeating an idea or a word. Yeah. And often at the end of the show, in case people decided to leave, they, <laughs> they would, could walk out and they could just fine. walk out and they wouldn't miss anybody else's yeah. sketches. And so we loved him so much and we were friends and we were like, oh, you should be the lead of our only chance to have our own television show, Clone High. So we cast him and got him his SAG card. Wonderful. To me, his specialty is he does abstract comedy, but from a deep place of emotional need. All of his characters yeah. have to get 
the spelling bee word right. Mm. Yes. Tim yes. Calhoun. Oh, I was just about to wants say. Wants um, to be the president. Calhoun. So bad. <laughs> right? Like MacGruber wants yes. to be MacGyver so bad. Yes. So it's both. It's like high abstract art comedy and it's like deep emotional acting. We just saw ourselves as like the midwives of that show. We pitched him the idea that we had knocking around about a feature where we were like, if there was an apocalypse, we would be so bad at it. And then he went away, came back with the best pitch I've ever seen for a television show. And he just went through the episodes. He's like, I'm alone. And then I pray for a woman and I meet her. Uh-huh. And then we get married. And even though it's a big compromise, and then I meet another person. <laughs> and it's and it's like January Jones or yeah. something. <laughs> so it's immediately like an emotional dilemma Smoke for show. a super selfish person to go through. Oh my God. I want to rewatch it just Me thinking too. about it. And so our thing was like, oh, I think we can bring out the thing that we love about will right 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 such a perfect pairing we had him on like five minutes after they announced they weren't doing another season i said how are you and he's like i'm just so relieved because it's too well you could tell he was gonna die he was gonna hurt him we were so happy when he didn't have to do another season because i'm like oh will can be healthy again and then like three months later you're like Look at this person. He's healthy, <laughs> unrecognizable. Let's never get this show back on yeah. the air. Oh, my God. I hope this isn't offensive. I don't think it is. It's meant to be a compliment. Yes. When you walked in, I had never seen you guys. I imagine you to be much older. Oh. <laughs> we are. Oh. We are. No, because you've done so much and you've worked with so many people and you've just been around and in the ether that I imagined you to be like, in your 60s. I got the strings put in. Okay, you look great. <laughs> they work. This is Lego hair. I could just pop it out. Okay, perfect. But their names don't help in that. Right, old man names. Lord and Miller sounds like a gentleman's... Department store? Yeah, Lord and Taylor. But also like where you might get a bespoke suit mm-hmm. made. We have a haberdashery on this yeah. side. Oh, great. And Phil is like a guy you play racquetball with. That's true. Phil. Is that your Cuban mother? Like, he's going to be as Felipe. American. Oh, Felipe. Yeah, yeah, the name works well in both. Well, it's beautiful in at least one language. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Philip is lovely. That's nice. It's got one L. It's very yeah, elegant. that's nice. Philip. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, they come up all the time on the show. Yeah, it just yeah. feels like... They're institutions. Yeah. Okay, now I need to go to... It's an enormous paradigm shatter Lego. I don't know how one thinks of that. I mean, just visually. Now you take it for granted because we've all seen 25 of them and we know all about it and there's TV shows, whatever. And it's a given that that would be a way to animate. It's already that far away from it that it seems like it's a given is really unimaginable. It's a crazy breakthrough-y idea and I want to know how it came about. You just mean like the idea of like the stop motion Lego approach. So there's a movie called The Magic Portal, which I think is the first quote unquote brick film. Okay. From like the 80s. Yeah, Yeah. it's like 79 or something. And it's real stop motion. And it's proper stop motion. It's somebody in their basement. And there's all these really groovy effects in it. I think it took like somebody in Australia like two years to make. It's like half an hour. Family life was great. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A lot of time on my hands. (laughs) And it was the first person to really make a movie that way. And so when we got approached to work on it, we thought, well, this is just a giant commercial for a big company yeah, and soulless. So that's why we want to do it. <laughs> we said no at first. Well, you guys had just left the Taco Bell movie. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember correctly. We're working hard on this Velveeta shells and cheese movie. It's and more it's... about that Chihuahua <laughs> spokesperson. Uh, but we said, well, we got an idea for it, but we'll write it, but we won't direct it. But then we're like, well, if you did do it like one of these brick 
films like people make in their basement and you made it look like it was stop motion where everything was made of Lego, even the smoke and the water and everything. That would be cool. I don't think they would let us do that, but it would be the only way to make it not be embarrassing. And so then we said, okay, we'll direct it, but only if you let it do it this way. Wow. Yeah. And they did. Who was it that went It was through? Warner Brothers. They were worried because, you know, movies need acting, right? Mm, sure. And you need to empathize with the character. And these characters have like cylinder heads. They can't even clap because their arms like don't go that way. Yeah. They've got claw hands. But then you just lean into it in these amazing yes. ways. Well, our whole thing was like the limitations are part of the pleasure of watching exactly. it. That seeing the cleverness of how people solve problems. Just how do I get this character to <laughs> clap? So they just like twist their wrists yeah. like that. And we right. play like sound effects of them clapping it's and it works. Brilliant. And how do I get them to just pick something up? Just the problem solving is so fun to watch. And that adds a whole fun layer. The other thing is how could we make this like posh toy from Denmark into an agent of democracy. <laughs> yeah. The idea being like, these things are everywhere. They're going to outlast the human race. But they're also like great little tools for creativity that yeah. everybody has in their house. What if you made a movie that felt like the way a kid makes a movie in their head? Can it feel DIY? Yeah. And it's this big movie from Warner Brothers, but it looks like, you know, like somebody animated it by hand at home. And we were very insistent. If this feels like it came from a company, it is going to fail. I feel like it came from the Lego group or from Warner Brothers. Yeah. It's going to have a stink on it and people are going to hate it. But you also were clever in the casting of it. This gets done well occasionally, which is like you have a tone, you see the risk that this tone runs, and then you counter-program it with who you put in it. Like It's like having a serious movie that could be saccharine, but you have the comedians be serious, or right. vice versa. You know, you mm -hmm. put fucking De Niro in Meet the Parents. You know, like, there's ways to be artful about how you're going to address potential problems by who you cast. Right. So, like, the cast was so edgy. It's like all the greatest comedians, and they're going to lend their cumulative edge to this thing that could potentially seem too goofy and bright and right. stop motiony. Absolutely. You wanted to feel like it was part of, like, the alt-comedy scene. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And you want to be like, I can't believe they let them get away with doing this. That's well, what at it the felt time, like. it was wild to have Chris Pratt be the star of a right. movie. He had never started anything. He was like the sixth banana on uh, Parks and Rec. Yeah. yeah. He owes you guys everything. For sure. Yeah. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. Occasionally I'll watch something and it's so good that I'm jealous in a way that makes me want to go do something. Happens get fired all the time. Up. All the time. Yeah. So like what's something recently? I was really excited by the crazy filmmaking that the Daniels did in Everything Everywhere All at Once. I it haven't seen is it yet. Bonkers. I've heard. It is like so ridiculous. It's nuts. But it's like really? very innovative filmmaking, I thought, uh, that I think it's worth checking out. I can't wait to see it. It happens to me with Danny McBride. So first oh, I was yeah. just jealous of Danny McBride. Who's worse, him or Mike Schur? <laughs> I can't tell. Him. Yeah. I'll tell yeah. you why, because he's happy as a motherfucker doing it. <laughs> I watch his stuff and I go, oh my God, I want to make righteous gemstones. Yeah. Like I'll get that feeling, you know? I know. And he's coming from a place of warmth and kindness and like understanding of people's frailty even though he's always playing an asshole. He's one of the lead voices in Mitchell's versus the Machines. Oh. 
And so we went down to South Carolina to record him. Oh. And so the first record, we all went down and did it together. And he was so gracious and took us in like, he's got like a setup where like he takes a golf cart yeah. from his house to this incredible restaurant. And the little island he lives the in. The little island. Yeah. He's the mayor of the whole place. Oh. And I was like, what are you doing? You guys all moved here, you maniacs. And he was like, here's the thing. What if all the music only came from two cities? They only came from like LA and New York. There would be no Memphis blues. No There would be no like New Orleans jazz. There would be no Afro-Cuban music. There would be nothing. And so why do movies or TV shows have to come from one or two places? We get to make it here. Not only are we training the next wave of people who wouldn't have had this chance, right? Yeah. There's local crew that are like getting lit up and somebody great is going to come out of that if they haven't already, right? The pilot of that show looks like Scorsese made oh it. My it's God, insane. It's incredible. Yes, they're doing an incredible right? job. And then it has the gestalt and voice of the, the place mm -hmm. in it's which it's unique. made and it makes it its own thing. And I have thought about that just about every day since he said it. What a great analogy, because if I had to sum it up, I'd say that his shows are like albums. Mm -hmm. They feel analog. I can feel the rhythm. He's got nasty taste in music. I oh just love God, all yeah. the music selection. Yeah, and he's happy. And he's happy. Yeah. And they're having fun. <laughs> oh, and they don't deal there's with like a fun cycle when you have like professional jealousy, right? Yeah. I remembering watching season two of Fleabag. Oh. oh. We were just talking about and that And going like, God damn, Phoebe. <laughs> Oh, you're so good. I hate her too. Oh, you asked about I the grudges. Yes, <laughs> yes. Catherine Harris, former Secretary of State of Florida. <laughs> Phoebe Waller-Bridge. <laughs> Danny McBride. Mike Schur. She's like, this is, this she's is the greatest person also. And, but like this cycle of going like, I'll never be able to do something that is this well observed and is like innovative in all these ways. A couple of days of just hating myself yeah. and then coming back and going like, no, I'm going to do something. <laughs> and it just motivates to like, I don't want to do something that's been done a hundred times before. I yeah. just want to do something You want to give this someone the experience that you have when you're watching Fully Bag. You're right. like, whoa. Okay, now you guys have the very best taste in comedians, period. Outside of the fact that you've never hired me, but let's just let that slide. Yeah, maybe the second best taste. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the after party, they put some bucks behind the PA. Like, I want to say a Super Bowl is the first time I saw a fucking commercial. For I that. wish. That would be great. No. Oh, it was, it was a playoff a... game, though. Oh, yes, a playoff game. It yes. was. Like the last yeah. playoff game. Yeah. I was like, that's a pricey little ad right there. There you go. You've assembled every one of my favorite, like, third on the call sheet actors of the last 10 years. We had only worked with a couple of them, but they were all people we'd been fans of and wanted to work with. And that ad is very specifically designed just to show you like- the Remember this person? Eight faces. You know her, so remember him, remember her? Yeah, right. yeah. You might not know everyone's name, but you know that face and that face and that face and you want them to be together. And they're funny. Yeah. But also feels like kind of what you did with Lego, which is like, it feels all, like it's like, yeah. if you're in the scene, then it's like, I know all those people. You feel yeah. like you're in the club. Right, it's like not everybody is a household name, but everybody's steals the show of the thing that they came from. Yes. Yeah. Where do we even start? Ike Barinholtz. Very, very, very funny. So sweet. So I've funny. I've repeated a joke he told us on here, probably more than any other joke I've heard in the last decade, which was uh, his writing partner is not Jewish and he is Jewish. He says it all the time. Any pitch meeting, he'll go, you know, Mike uh, lost his uh, great-great-grandfather in the Holocaust. Fell off a guard tower. <laughs> 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 what a joke. That's a very Ike joke. Ike was so valuable in part because 
he is such a patient, good person on a show like that where everybody's great. There are days when like in a 10 person scene, you wait. Yeah. And then it's the end of the day and we're rushing and love you so much, Ike. We've got three takes, yeah. maybe two, yeah. to get all your shit in a close-up. Or we're all working next Sunday. And he had like three or four things ready to rock that all belonged in the show so that you couldn't decide which one. It was a great thing about that cast was that every single one of them was like a hyphenate. They all yes. had like made their own stuff, written things, produced things, directed things, whatever. Yeah. They all were great improvisers and had lots of great ideas. They were all really smart. And so they could all bring so much to every scene. And when they would add things or had ideas for things, it wasn't the type of thing where it's like, this is never going to make it. Yeah, that was serving right. the story. It wasn't right. Because it's a yeah. murder mystery and. You can't improvise that. Yeah. The clockwork of it has to be very precise. You're hiding information and you're dealing out information very intentionally. And they all could understand what was going to work or not work for the whole thing because they had been on the other side of it creatively. They knew the lanes, like I obviously great at this sort of thing like find the lane that this is going to be good stuff that can make it into the show yeah that's on story that's right. relevant that's not a non sequitur what's so great is that like every single one of these people cracks everybody up on the set it was a really joyous experience I making bet. that show because you just got 12 of the funniest people and any one of them could be the star of their own show and they're all together like cracking each other up it almost neutralizes things right because egos and personalities they're tricky on sets I've seen this a bunch my wife's been in some of these like everyone knows this person's making $21 million yeah, for this right. movie. There's just very weird dynamics. I've been on movies where, like, I'll give you an example. I was in this movie, The Judge. So you got Robert Downey Jr., you got Robert Duvall, you got Billy Bob Thornton, you got Vincent D'Onofrio. You have all these guys. Some of them, I'm not going to say who, but some people have bad reputations. And then they get together and it's just like, it's just neutral. Because right. everyone's a bad motherfucker. Everyone's got nukes. And everyone just behaves. Right. There's like some symphony to it. <laughs> they all right. have nukes. That's yeah. Very like, funny. It, everyone knows, like if Duvall starts acting bratty, it's like he's standing next to Iron Man. He's going to feel stupid. Vice versa, go down the line. But have you ever been on one of those shows where... It just escalated. A friend of ours was trying to make a movie, and one of the people was like a once-in-a-generation star. Yeah. The other one was also a huge star, and the older big star was like two hours late. Okay, yeah. So yeah. the slightly younger oh, no. big star was like, fuck it, I'm going to be three hours late. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they just uh, kept topping each other. Uh, oh, there's so many great stories. I've gotten to sets, and i like, like, where's my trailer? And I was like, oh, that's a big, nice trailer, blah, blah, And then I get there the next day, and I was like, oh, that was two really nice big trailers. Like, someone obviously went up the flagpole. Like, and then, like, three weeks later, there's a third really nice trailer. And, and you're thinking, like, am I supposed to call someone and say, so like, where I, does the, where's the hotline for the trailer? <laughs> more trailers? <laughs> I'd like to spread my legs. On that show, because we were shooting during the pandemic pre-vaccine, it was the first time anybody had left their house. Wow. And so nobody went to their trailer. Everyone would just hang out. And so it was just like, I can be around another human being that isn't my family. And this is amazing for me. It was like going to camp or something. It was really fun. I would guess this is the best part of your guys' success. The obvious thing would be like, oh, they can probably get the stuff made they want to make. That's really nice. Everyone wants to be able to do that. But in truth, I'd imagine... The fact that you guys can pretty much play with anyone you want to play with and that you get to be behind the monitors watching people you're just fans of that you've collected. I have to imagine that's the very best part of having lots the of success. The most exciting thing is watching someone you like and admire get an idea spontaneously and it's captured 
and you're like, <laughs> the feeling I have is relief. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. We got something. She figured yeah. it out. We for got us. a nibble. Yeah. Like we have a thing, and now if we get like a couple of these things a day, then we'll have a whole darn movie or yeah. a whole great TV show. Happened yesterday. There was a reshoot. Oh yeah, for a movie that we're producing. Additional photography, just like a quick pickup. <laughs> yeah. And this is a four week quick pickup. <laughs> just a six week. <laughs> a Marvel pickup. <laughs> exactly. And boy, and it was like everyone was grouchy. It was like a fourteen hour day, and then the cameras roll, and these three boys just start yelling at each other in the funniest way, and everything was okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's the wind in the sails. It's like, oh, right. If all this stuff goes right, you get to see people do something you've never seen or heard. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And then Unexpected. it is great that they trust that you're not going to pick the bad takes and you're going to protect them. And then they're like comfortable trying stuff out. And that's where you get the best stuff. Yeah. And it's a compliment to you. It is. To be trusted by people who are scared is a really beautiful thing. Yeah, you're very exposed as an actor, and it's out of your control, and that's terrifying. It's a weird job, and creative people and anxious people and socially anxious people correlate very strongly. Yeah. So now you're putting someone who really cares. <laughs> like, literally, the reason they're a good actor is they have a lot of mirror neurons yep. yeah. that are really good at picking up what other people exactly. think and feel. Spidey senses through the right? roof. So yeah. now it's like, okay, now there's... 50 people looking at me and all I can hear is my brain screaming about whether they like me or not. Yeah. And I'm supposed to ignore that yeah. and pretend to be a doctor or something. And one of the best things that we ever did was before doing 21 Jump Street, we took an acting class. Oh, no shit. And it was terrible. We belonged behind the <laughs> behind camera. Behind the camera. <laughs> As James Caan once told me. <laughs> oh. He was the voice He's in Cloudy the Chance of Equals. Okay. He was the dad. Two funny James Caan stories. He's really great in the movie, but he was disappointed that he wasn't, I want to be like an alligator or something. Like a funny alligator. <laughs> and so he was like a little miffed that he didn't get to do more silly Tough guy stuff. stuff. Yeah, he wanted to do some silly stuff. And he wanted someone to read with him, so I read with him, and he was like, you we should stay behind the camera. <laughs> Chris, right, do the next scene. <laughs> then he did a scene with his son, Flint. Bill Hader. Uh, played by Bill Hader. Opposite energies. Very opposite energies. We had them, I think, over ISDN. They were in different cities, but doing the scene at the same time over a microphone. And they did a take. And, you know, in a microphone, people get really quiet. Yeah. So he was doing it real quiet. We said, you know, you guys are across the <laughs> yard from one another. This is 30, 40 feet so if you could project your voice, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. You haven't animated this, right? No, no, no. But we started, but okay, no problem. Go ahead. Flint, come over here. I don't want to yell. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Jimmy Conn's one of my very favorite actors of all time. He is amazing. Thief is probably Thief, my Thief, favorite movie of all time. Such a great film. Michael Mann's Michael first. first film, yeah. And best. He has a scene in that movie. In at the, the diner? Act, at the diner. It's, I think, I'm out four of time. setups. It's 10 minutes long. It starts with, literally, he just, like, yanked her out of a car. Yeah, very and violent. she's so fucking pissed. Mm -hmm. They hate each other. The coffee's bad. And at the end of the scene, she agrees to marry him. Yes. <laughs> it's one of the best yes. written scenes. It does not make any sense at all. And we did the scene in our acting class. No. Do you remember that? No. It was one of the scenes that we <laughs> sort of learned from and had to like break down every move. And the crazy thing is you realize how vulnerable you are as an actor and how if someone gives you a note 
that feels like it's getting to you personally. You're like, oh, they don't like me as a person. Very thin line between the product and you. I'm so glad you guys did that. And it was like, oh, I've been doing this all wrong. It was really eye-opening to put yourself in those shoes. I think a lot of people who watch actors or like watch movies are like, I could do that. I could do this. Like you probably could do it in your living room. Right. With nobody watching you, with no direction, like knowing how to hit your mark. You just did it perfect and they figured out that the light was two feet to the wrong way and now you have a shadow on your face, so throw that out. That's (laughs) acting, not being able to like just emote. And you get tired. Physically. Yes. Because you're like concentrating so much. That was one thing I don't think I understood. I was like, why are they so tired? (laughs) (laughs) They're saying words. They say words and then they take like a 40 minute break. (laughs) We do voices on Clone High. So like we'll sometimes have to be behind a microphone, which is like four straight hours of creativity and concentrating and being anxious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I like can't put two words together. So it's exhausting. But I think a lot about basketball players. They can be awesome for seven minutes and then they need a break. It's about confidence. (laughs) You know, and if you like miss, you just need to watch something go in and then you get better. Jordan, if he doesn't make that shot in North Carolina, we don't know if he's Jordan. Right. So we have tickets where we get to watch Ty Lue, the coach of the Clippers, like do his thing and be an awesome coach. And the thing that's so remarkable about him is he's relentlessly positive. And it's not that he's not mad or annoyed. He has the best, like, ugh, stinky cheese face in the league. <laughs> okay. But then the minute he gets in the huddle, he's like, these are the affirmative, positive things we're going to do. These are the points we've already put on the board. It's all positive. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah, we interviewed Pete Carroll, and he was very much that way. Yeah, he's very positive. And guy. it was yeah. encouraging. I don't know. Do you guys have this? Like, I'll hear a story about Enritu. Mm-hmm. Well, I've heard many stories. And I'll go, yeah, I'll... I'll probably never be a great director because I just can't do it. I can't make Birdman. You have to do it within your personality. That guy, he's got like cool, like <laughs> salt and pepper flowing locks, yeah. right? And like a cool beard. He can yell at you and be like, okay, man, yeah, I will do that. If this was the Crusades, he could march me wherever he wanted me to go. We look like virgins. Wow. <laughs> we can't do You're that. You're actually hot as fuck. You know that. Many times, I've been thinking people must have told you you look like Heath Ledger. I've gone through some stages. There was a Heath Ledger stage. There was a Fred Savage. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. And then about a five-year Emile Hirsch in the film Milk. Specifically (laughs) in Milk. Only in Milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this comparison does not apply outside the confines of Milk. I'm seeing a lot of Heath Ledger. I got that the other day. came back. Yeah. You're so good looking, it's distracting. Distracts me every day, guys. <laughs> How do you do it? I don't know. Oh, and people hate when I say people look like each other. This is a new complaint. Maybe I'm three sorry. Yeah, hate I think that. maybe one or three people yeah. said that. I feel like if someone said I look like Heath Ledger, I wouldn't be sad about right. it. Thank you. I have a friend. Should I out him? He'll love it. My friend Kevin Zegers. He was Airbud as a kid. He's a great actor. Oh, yeah. Really, really fucking good actor. There was at least a period where he looked a lot like Zach Efron. And he actually said to me, he's like, oh, if I hear him, I look like Zach Efron one more time. I go, oh, boo, fucking oh, so sad for you. Oh, what a bummer. You look like <laughs> Zach guy, yeah. Efron. Must be tough. Oh. <laughs> Hard life. Okay. So, given that you guys can work with who you want to, is, Will you hire us? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. I think especially for us, like, who knows way too well how much the sausage is made. Right. When you do get that. Also, Severance. Have you guys watched Severance? Watch Severance. Oh. Yeah, we loved it. The 
Lumen Building is Bell Labs in New Jersey, which was where basically every invention was made. Yes. And now is like an office park with, you know, like a mall with restaurants in it. Oh, really? Yeah. And I went there because my wife is from New Jersey. It was there over the holidays like Christmas Her time. uncle is Michael Eisner. Yeah, right. Very much not. Very much not. What if you oh, yeah. let that I up? I wish so bad. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah. My wife, Katie Eisner, and I. <laughs> that would be amazing. But no. We met some friends at a bar in the Bell Labs building. I was like, why hasn't no one ever shot something in here? This place oh, is crazy. amazing. The really? design of it's incredible. I was like, we got to think of something to set here. And then like a couple months story. later, I watched the first episode of Severus. And I was like... All right. It feels All right. They did so it. They did it. Soviet era. Yeah. Anyway, point is Apple TV Plus, where well, also the after party is. There we They're go. They're friggin' killing wow. it, guys. Yes. There we go. Good bedfellows. It is tricky. Imagine when you guys signed up to do after party on Apple Plus. You're still trying to figure out, like, which one of the people had deals at this weird name, and I won't say that weird name, and you're like, you're hoping they have something that pops and that you're not going to put this thing into the fucking ether. Yeah, I mean, that's the fear, obviously. You're like, is this a real place to make things? (laughs) Yeah. But they were the place that seemed to get it the most. It's an ambitious show, you know, because every episode is told in a different film style, right? And so one's a musical, one's a thriller, and one's an action thing, and so you have to... Be able to do a proper car chase and fist fight and dance number. There's an animated one and all that stuff. It's expensive. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's not like just like a regular show where you're like, ah, oh, we built a set and we can just say some stuff. Yeah. yeah. Every episode is like a little movie. And they were the ones who really understood that to do it right required to take it seriously. It seemed like the best place because, you know, doing it somewhere else, you know, they were like, oh, we'll try it. And you have to like do a half-assed version of a car chase that would have been a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. I feel nice when something's been curated for me and I go like, oh, somebody who's really smart picked specific things. That's like a great luxury. It's not a junk drawer of like, it's not just like, here's everything. (laughs) You decide. Yeah, you're right. You don't get fatigued just going through the offerings. Right. Right. You're like, what does this thing have for me today? Yeah. My friend Callie works for Netflix. It's great. They have a lot of great stuff, too. Yeah. Thank you. She's the one that loved Clone High. There you go. Excellent taste. (laughs) Great taste. Excellent taste. taste. I always said that about Callie. (laughs) Okay, so everybody should watch The After Party, and they should watch it on Apple+. Plus. And to your delight, you'll be starting it, and most of them are out. You can rip through. It's all out. Yeah, you can binge that bad boy. We're starting a season two, and so there you go. You are. When do you start that? May 12th. That's not a real date. Yeah. <laughs> I just made it up. That sounds like a number. May, May 47th. <laughs> it's May Live 42nd. Well, you guys would be fools not to put Monica Minnie Mouse in it. She is a spectacular comedian. Wow. So True let's fact. get her in there. If you're not too afraid of sex appeal, that's well, what I'll say. you know. Yeah. I can get a wig on. Downplay it. Yeah, sure. We've made the worst sex scenes. I agree. We're Tell me. The whole world. <laughs> We made a sex scene with Forte and Shawl, where because it was on a broadcast network, oh yes, the standards and practices ruled that they could not move. There's no thrusting. If there was any movement, <laughs> it was considered thrusting. The bit was just that they stayed perfectly still, and she was really into it. And the second he moved a bit, she goes, no, 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 no. And then they just... Perfectly still. 
Oh, that's perfect, though. This is your yes. brand. It's like you isolate the limitation, and then you make the whole you thing about the limitation. It. That's yeah. what's so great. It's sex jokes written by virgins. You turn <laughs> lemons into lemonade. Oh, I love it. Okay, well, guys, this is really fun getting to know you. Oh, likewise. Yeah, yeah. so fun. Thanks for Humongous coming. fan. You're in the Mike Shirk category. Also, likewise. I love I've it. hated... That's person. right. That's right. <laughs> of the hated guests. Intimidated and excited for the next project and hoping you guys die in a bus crash <laughs> uh, before you do even more. What's the next big humongous thing you guys are doing? Are you doing like a feature world? We're doing a sequel to the Spider-Verse movie. Okay. That was excellent. Nicolas Cage. We don't know. We'll just let some secrets stay secrets. Okay, great, yeah. great, great, great. You guys have to go to Comic-Con and do that whole thing? and We do usually go to Comic-Con for that stuff. Are you scared when you're there? I had a real change of opinion on it because the first time I went, I was like, oh my gosh, look how excited everybody gets about this stuff. I don't feel this kind of joy in my life. And it was scary to me that people felt that kind of joy. Yeah. You don't trust it. Yeah. It's like when my kids, the ice cream truck would come by and they'd <laughs> lose their brains. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't get excited about anything, let alone like sugar water on a stick. Yeah. yeah. And look how happy and excited they are. So the first time I was like, uh, I can't relate to this. And then I realized this is great that there is a thing that people are excited about and have so much joy, they're going to wait in line and dress up like something. And they've gotten in touch with that sort of youthful yeah. joy. And I wish I pure. knew how to feel that and way. And I wish yeah. I was yeah. not dead, dead inside. That's yeah. right. And like, it's in there, you know, like we love all the same stuff they love. I just don't know how to express it in yeah. the way that they know how to You're afraid it. it goes back to Cloudy. Exactly. You're nervous that if you show. The armor, yeah. What the fuck just happened? Oh, Did your man. chair break? Oh. Liquid death Just, just some liquid death. If you were caught being that joyous, someone might attack you oh, and yeah. make fun of it's you. It's vulnerable. I can't be vulnerable. Yeah, armor. that's what it is. I'm going to do a dance and. I excited. love it. It's a Super Bowl. It's like their Super Bowl. Do you guys cry at flash mobs? What are they called? I like when um, people. Oh, do something together. Yeah, yeah, the Olympians one time made a video on their way to Rio or something, and it was, call me maybe, yeah. here's my number, and they all choreographed it it's on like the airplane ride. a synchronized dance. Uh, I cry when I see it, because I think the world's so hard to be... Sincere and earnest. And beautiful in. Yeah. And, and they've for people done that it. come into sync. To me, that's what's so beautiful about it. <laughs> the choreography. They do the same thing at the same time. Yeah. And that's so beautiful to me and so difficult. Isn't there like an airline safety video? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but there's a dance. That thing makes yeah. me cry maybe because I'm like at altitude. Yeah, yeah. One of the things we've discovered is that like what's spectacular isn't people being in conflict and getting in a fight. What's spectacular is seeing them in harmony. Yeah. Because we know what we're in conflict every second, mm -hmm. and every once in a while we're in harmony. And if you can put that on screen, I think it's really special. Yeah, I do too. All right, well, I like you guys. We like you. Thank you. Can't wait to continue to listen at one and a half speed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a long show, but one and a half speed. I'm one, one and a quarter, guys. Sometimes yeah. I talk really fast, though. Sometimes you. you you're never listening for me. It's the guest. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. You know, we fast forward. Who do we have? Who it really so is one and a quarter, to Russell be honest. Brand. Oh, we had Russell Brand on. People thought they were accidentally oh, listening. You got to listen on half speed. It's insane. <laughs> it's impressive. <laughs> Love you guys. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Batman. 
Hi. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Buddy. I know. Oh, no. Are we going to talk about it? But, yeah, I guess we could talk about it. Okay, I'm going to walk you through it. Okay, my, great. My journey. You look, okay, I wish the, <laughs> the listener could see you. You look like a baby, okay? <laughs> you look even smaller and chubbier than the little girl in the field. Chubby? Not oh, no. Not really. Just your cheeks look, because you know you look, you're, you're droopy-eyed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really sweaty. Now, you look hot. Let's just start there. <laughs> and then, now that we're there, let's also say you look droopy. Droopy. Yeah, I am. <laughs> so, I woke up. What time? And I what time? felt great. This oh. is yesterday. Okay. I felt great. Let's say 8.30. Mm-hmm. Then it was time for my wog, my coffee wog. Okay. So on my walk there, I was like, huh, I don't mm. feel great. Sure. But that could have been a million. I don't feel great a lot, you know? Yeah, we all are up and down. And your flies are coming tomorrow. Exactly. So this is compounding everything, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm even going to go a step further. I bet between your vaccine and whatever else... You probably just would have killed it all on its entry. But the fact that your immune system's reduced because of your exactly. flies, it, it's losing the fight enough to get positive. I know. That is why I think I feel so bad. Where, like, uh, we know a lot of people who've had it who, they're like, it just kind of felt like a head cold. Mm -hmm. Mine does not, it feels like a flu. Okay. But that could be because of my flies. And that's like, that's so disrespectful of them. Like, it's not a good time for them to come. Yeah, did it cross your mind to go back on your pill? Fuck up your whole cycle, but just go back on? Mm, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You know me, I'm always trying to hack the body. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know what is funny? Right. But I, I don't know why I think this is funny. All my conservative friends, like I have a bunch in Nashville and I have a bunch in Michigan, they already had it. You know, they had it like eight months ago or whatever. It just, it's like the liberals turn. Every liberal I know has it. It's like the liberal wave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it makes sense because... We're finally acting like the conservatives did six months ago. Yeah, months we're ago. like, we have to live our lives. And yeah. not to mention, there's that medicine. So like, no one is going to die. Right, 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 right. So I feel like, eh, you yeah. know, yeah. that's all we can, that's all we can do. Anyway, so then I'm standing in my coffee line and I'm like, yeah, I don't feel great. Mm. But then I started to cough a little bit and then I got self-conscious about my cough in my line. Sure. You know? Yeah. I didn't want people to be scared. As they, well, it turns out maybe should have been. <laughs> Could you reenact the cough? I want to know what kind of cough it was. It was like this. <coughs> okay. Like one dry. one dry pop. Oh, well, actually, now that I'm remembering, I have brain fog. Sure, so yep. It was a tickle in my throat. It was one of those things where I needed to keep coughing. Uh -huh. I didn't want to keep coughing. It was really uncomfortable. You capped it at like one pop, but you yeah. wanted to go three, four. That's where, you know, I, I think we're all in this situation. Like when you're on an airplane, the guy behind you, he pop, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> but then you hear... <laughs> Now, like on the fourth cough, I'm starting to think infection. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, I cough a lot just because I'm a mess. My lungs are always yeah. fucked up, whatever. I try to cap mine too, but sometimes I swallow things down the wrong hole on an airplane. And now I'm, I'm like 13, 14 coughs. And I'm like, oh, these poor people are convinced I have COVID. 
I mean, I've always been a little self-conscious about that. Like when you have a tickle and you can't stop, you know? Yeah. But COVID's made it way worse. That sounds like a euphemism when you have a tickle and you can't stop. (laughs) That sounds like what Molly would have said, Shannon, to her aunt. Oh, (laughs) true. True. Okay, also lots of ding, ding, dings. So this is for Lord and Miller. And, okay, hold on. I'm going back to my story. People Mm -hmm. are going to have to stick with this because, you know, they're catching me on a sick day. Yes, that's right. You're not at your best. (laughs) Yeah. What if this whole thing was you had diarrhea? And we thought people understood you had diarrhea, but we failed to mention, no, it's just diarrhea. There's, but no, you have COVID. Anywho, so then I took a test. I was negative. This was a fallacy that maybe this will help somebody. I thought since I didn't feel well, mm. if I had it, it would have shown up then. Yeah, like I would that think that. should have shown up. And I just thought, oh, okay, great. So like, it's just a little cold or something. And then as the day went on, like I just started feeling worse and worse. And then by like 4.30, I was like, oh boy. This is more than just diarrhea. No, I didn't have diarrhea. I, in fact, the opposite, I feel like- Constipated. Little bit. Okay. Maybe you'll just have- one big dump, and then everything will be back hunky-dory, <laughs> back to norm. That's all COVID is? Yeah, it's, just, it's constipation. <laughs> Look, some biologist is going to really, or infectious disease doctor is going to yell at me in the comments about this, but I think... Uh-oh. I, this is why I think you tested negative. You feel crappy because your body starts fighting this pathogen. It's identified a pathogen. And as it's killing it, it then expels it. And that's when you become contagious, is when you start expelling, they call it, I know what it is, shedding, shedding. So you start shedding the illness because you're killing it. And then you start pumping it out the nose, the lungs. (laughs) No, (laughs) all these different, you know, diarrhea, everything, get it out, get it out. (laughs) That's when it's contagious. I will say I'm disappointed in myself. Why? Because I just thought I'd be stronger. Oh, well, you're doing good. You're at work right now. I know, but I just thought I'd be one of those people that's like, yeah, it's just like a little head cold or asymptomatic. Yeah, asymptomatic. You know, I just, there's a funny irony in the air. Oh, about you. Yeah, this is a funny irony. I'm not proud of it. I didn't do anything special. I wonder if you're immune. Maybe. Or like the, um, the vax really worked great in me. Obviously, the vax protects the vast majority of people. I know, but it's gone now. That's the problem. It's out of our systems. Mine's only four months old. Uh, like my, I got mine maybe January 8th or 9th, the 3rd. Oh, okay. So maybe you still have a little bit of that guy in, in sure, you. Sure. Anyway, I'm so glad. You're the person I'm the most worried about because you have an autoimmune disorder. Right. But that I think that helps too because my immune system's overactive. That's why it attacks itself. So I think that also is one of these rare times it's a benefit. No, I think mm. it's not. They say that people with autoimmune are high risk. Yeah, remember when it... I, they they extended it to actors to get the vaccine, so I got to go in there. And then when I got there, I realized I had two previous things that would have let me get it, autoimmune and addiction. <laughs> yeah. Also, the autoimmune, you know, today, of course, I was Googling, like, why do some people 
have worse symptoms than others. And, you know, they're now they're able to do a little bit more meta kind of studies. Analysis. Yeah. Which is cool. One of the thoughts was that some people kind of do that essentially, like their bodies start putting out a lot of this. Oh, this is bad. Um, okay. You have COVID brain. That's okay. <laughs> really, I really do. I looked it up. Let me read it. Okay. It is a fact check after all. Let's see. I'll look at my history. Oh, that's a great place to start. Yeah. You look so adorable. You look like a <laughs> one-year-old baby. Do you need anything? Can I drop anything off? That's really sweet. No, um, Kristen dropped, just dropped off some stuff, which was really nice. I oh, told her not to, but she course. did it anyway. Of course she beat me to it. The adrenochrome? No, take a more double your adrenochrome dose. That's probably why you got it and I didn't, is that I'm on a much bigger dose. That's true. Yeah. I looked at a lot of websites, so I have to see if this is- Any pornography? One. No. Okay. Because sometimes when people get sick, if you get really sick, you kind of get horny because your body wants to help you feel better. And so one of the things it deploys is horny molecules. <laughs> I think people can relate to that. Rob, do you ever get like horny when you're, when you're really sick? Not really, but no. No, not really, but, but no. <laughs> I was, was going to say, sometimes when Natalie is sick. She's warm. Well, her body's like really warm. Uh-huh. Oh, oh you get attract. horny for her when she's yeah. sick. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's cute, that's Rob. That's really cute, but also yeah, opposite. it's not helpful. But. Yeah. No, I think that's sweet because, you know, that is one thing. Yesterday, my body was just, it hurt so bad. And I I was like, oh, I, I wish someone would hold me. Yeah. Yeah, you need a spoon in these stitches. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm having trouble finding it. I can't even imagine you know what you're looking for at this point. No, I know. Oh, okay. Um, Oh, Best Soup Los Angeles is one of my searches. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> While you're looking for this, this will be a fun update. So me and the kids and mom rode to Alcove yesterday here in town. And then a man, a strange man approached Lincoln with great familiarity and my spidey senses popped. And then it was Wobby Wob. And it was a oh. pop out, but I was delighted because it was not an assailant. It was Wobby Wob. Oh my so God. So it was a bumping. And of course he had just come from Ding, ding, ding. Maru. Of course. Yes. Of course. And as I drove by on the bikes, I was like, I'm going to see Rob or Monica in this line. There's no <laughs> way I'm not going to. So at any rate, uh, Wobby Wob gave us a hug, high five. He bails. We finish up. Lincoln goes, Mom, your bike was stolen. Sure enough, Mom's bike was stolen. <laughs> My only two thoughts are, one, Delta spilled a whole Diet Coke on me, so I had to get up and go get more ice. I was gone for a minute. <laughs> Took my eye off the prize. Could have happened then. Or when Wobby Wob distracted me and I had to hug him, maybe that's maybe Wobby Wob was working in tandem. I had someone with me. You did. Okay, you were the decoy. Oh. And then the thing that, that a little bit frustrated me is this guy goes, "Oh yeah, the white bike," and I go, "Yeah, yeah, I saw a homeless guy grab it and take it," and I'm like, mm, "Okay," and you didn't think to just go like, "Hey, is is that no. anyone's bike?" Then Lincoln and I sped home on bikes. Got the car, went and picked up Delta. Now, a side note, Delta ditched her bike midway there because it was too small for her, as I told her it was. And she was hitting her knees on the handlebars. She wouldn't <laughs> go to the bigger bike. She finally had to bail out. Then she rode with me holding her. Then she didn't like that. Anyway, you know, a whole Delta. Oh, textbook wow. Delta. So Lincoln and I blow home. We get the car. We go pick them up. And then we cruise around. I'm like, I'm going down to under the, uh, the L.A. River. I see a lot of people storm bikes down there. So I go route through a few encampments looking at bikes. There's hundreds of bikes down there. Yeah. Uh, hers is not there. Then we circle back, blah, blah, blah. We find the bike. It's on Hillhurst, leaning <laughs> against a bush. 
So I get out and I get the bike and there's, uh, there's some folks there, some unhoused. And so I tell Kristen, you drive the car, I'll drive this uh, lady's bike home. And then of course I gotta ask these guys, either you snag this bike because what was missing, bike, we got it back, recovery, great. But there were three Barbies in the basket and, and they were gone. And I needed to get those Barbies for Delta. So then I asked if uh, these two dudes who were banging back a couple joints, if either of them had snagged the bike. If so, all I'm looking for is the Barbies. This escalated quickly. Um, I had to go full silverback mode. Uh, They declined my invite. I ended up riding home. I don't think they had the Barbies. Uh, It was quite a scenario. Scary. I didn't know about that part. (laughs) Yikes. They're both dead. Well, this is a ding, ding, ding for the after party. I watched it all last night. (laughs) Oh, you watched the whole, the show, the after party? Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. I really, really, really enjoyed it. I couldn't sleep because of my sickness. So I just watched it. How fun. It's good. And then another sim moment. My friend Aiden. The fellow mermaid. The fellow mermaid who I talked about on Molly's episode. She's also in the after party. And I was watching it and she texted me. (gasps) No, dude. And we don't talk. Like, you know, it's not like we talk every week or anything. And she texted me. Let's get together and, and shampoo our hair with herbal essence. We will. Oh, God. What a party. <laughs> Are you watching Under the Banner? Yeah, I'm caught oh, up. I oh, I love it. Oh, my God. I know. Me too. I love it. I hope everyone watches it. Under the Banner of Heaven on Hulu. Not an ad. Yeah. Was that a cough or a sneeze? Oh, there's some symptoms. Real-time symptoms. Sneezes. Okay. Your blanket has COVID all over it now. I just thought you kind yeah. of- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what's one sad thing? Huh. I don't have any tissues, oh. so I have to use toilet paper. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. All right. We're back. Um, Back on track. So I found the article. Oh, great. This says, and there's a lot of false info out there, so uh, preface. It is a .org, but I... Yeah, we know that anyone can have that. That's right. Yep. Yeah. This says... One way in which immune cells signal to one another and regulate their responses to pathogens is through the secretion of proteins called cytokines. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. However, in some situations, uncontrolled release of these substances can trigger a, quote, cytokine storm characterized by excessive inflammation and damage to cells and organs. This is thought to be a key driver of severe COVID-19 illness, which is why many hospitals now use anti-inflammatory drugs. Mm. So when you were saying you have a more intense immune system, it's actually bad. Because it could get into a cytokine Inflammation. storm. And then I thought maybe that's happening to me because I would have an immune system that tries to overachieve. Of course, A plus, yeah, if it's on yeah. the table. Kill everything, <laughs> let God sort it out. Ding, exactly. ding, ding, under the banner. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get into some facts. Mm-hmm. Okay, you said in Cocaine Cowboys that they said the average Federal Reserve cash holdings at any given time Forty to fifty million in cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just throwing darts at a dartboard here. I don't know what what it really was. Well, okay, yeah. And Florida Federal Reserve had six to seven billion. You said <laughs> right. right, right <laughs> you were right. just saying there's a bunch. It, bigger. Yeah, I was trying to say there's like a hundred x difference between the average and the Florida one. Yeah, and then but the problem is now I'm realizing my research is wrong because this isn't cash. Was it include gold or something? Well, I don't know, but this says as of April 20th, the Fed's assets stand at 
$8.96 trillion. Yeah, I'm talking about like a regional federal reserves that deal with the money coming in and out. So the money comes into the state reserve and then gets funneled eventually back up to the main federal reserve. And so you have all these little satellite banks that are dealing with the money regionally. And there was just a 100x amount in the Florida reserve as there was any other one in the nation. Oh, I see. Really just oh. showing how much cash was coming in and out of Florida. Like Compared during the other states. Yes, yes, yes. And like oh. at the time, this was all in killing Pablo as well. Uh, or maybe, you know, maybe it was in Cocaine Cowboys. I don't know. I watched so many of these damn things. But like there was a full recession in the 80s, but there was a wait list for Ferraris, Mercedes, and Porsche in Florida <laughs> because there oh, was wow. just billions of dollars coming in from narco trade. Okay. Well, then that fact is bunk because I was confused. I thought you were saying the National Federal Reserve mm, has less, less money Florida. than Florida's state reserve. I got you. I imagine other people were confused too, so I'm glad we drilled deeper into it. Okay, so you said that the bad sports show on Netflix is done by the Wild Wild Country people. It's actually not. It's untold that's oh, done by the Wild Wild Country people. Thank you. Thank you. Both are incredible shows. They really are. And they came out pretty much at the exact same time, so it was confusing. Yeah, a few months apart. I'm sure yeah. the makers of both of those were like, mm, wish you could have spaced this out a little bit. I tried to find out how long the India clone high hunger strike went on. Mm -hmm. But I think it was just like that day. Mm -hmm. And they made the decision pretty quickly. Maybe I'll go on a hunger strike until you're negative. Oh. Yeah. Uh, because I could do that. I could achieve that. Okay. So is that just like a personal goal? It's not really about. It's about you. You tell your oh, body. Okay. <laughs> I think if you, because you're very goal oriented. I am. If you have the goal of saving me by saving yourself, it, it'll probably speed things up. Okay. I'll talk to my house. In your cytoscenes. Yeah. Phil said The Magic Portal was the first brick film. The first known brick film is a Danish movie. It's called Journey to the Moon. Okay. It was created in 1973. Six-minute video featured both stop-motion animation and live action and was recorded on Super 8 film. Oh, wonderful. Okay, you, to you told Ike's famous joke. Oh, right, which has been updated at the live show. Yeah, that's right. You guys will hear it on an upcoming episode. Yeah, he's got part two of that joke. <laughs> yeah. You were telling it, and so in telling it, you were just like, his partner, Mike. Okay. You know? Dave his is his partner. Yeah, Dave Stassen. Yeah. You knew. I know now, but I didn't know then. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, he probably told you again. Yeah, prob all, probably because sure. I heard it. But but the, also, I was driving down the road today. There was something I was trying to think of for two days, the last two days, and then today I, I thought of it. So that happens too, right? But you had sure. COVID with. Okay. I thought it was interesting what he was saying about the Bell Labs building and that it's the Lumen building for Severance. How cool. Very cool. And then I wanted to figure out what some of the inventions were at Bell Laboratories. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Well, we start with Alexander Graham Bell. So the yeah. telephone. The phonograph, some kind of battery technology. That's why I got interested in them. Researchers working at Bell Laboratories are credited with the development of radio astronomy, the transistor, the laser, the photovoltaic. 
Cell, uh, the charge coupled device, CCD, information theory. Nine Nobel Prizes have been awarded for work completed at Bell Laboratories. Wow. What an esteemed joint. Yeah, that's cool. And now, maybe an Emmy-winning show set. Most likely. <laughs> okay, the airline safety video dance is Alaska Airlines. Oh, okay. Which was Virgin, I think, before. Yeah, Virgin had some, and they had, because they have crazy lights. Yeah, I think Virgin had the dancing one as well, and then maybe they took it when Alaska bought them. Did Alaska buy Virgin? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, wow. I liked Virgin, and I liked when Alaska would randomly have a Virgin plane. Yeah, people liked it. It's like a party bus plane. The Alaska Air Group acquired Virgin America in April 2016. Okay, six years ago. Congratulations, Alaska. No. Didn't you say 16? Yeah. yeah. It's 22. Yeah, 16 plus 6 oh is 22. My oh, my God. Slow math. Yeah, the opposite of fast <laughs> math is COVID math. <laughs> now we know. Corona math. Wish we had a sound effect for it. So do I. <laughs> oh, I have one. I have one. Hold on. Oh, you guys both do. Don't hit that one that plays for a minute. Oh, great. That was a good one. I don't know if she can hear ours. Oh, effects, that was you? can hear hers, yeah. Oh, uh, Robbie Rob just did that. Dun, 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 no, dun. I did that. Oh, okay. I don't think it passes through Zoom. Okay. Well, you oh. both did the same one. That's convenient. Wow, Sim. I hope it overlaps in a really dissonant way. That's a <laughs> new medley that takes off. <laughs> Me too. I need an outlet for singing. Okay. So my new thing, I think, is going to be taking really well-known songs and trying to sing the lyrics, but with a whole new melody, because it's kind of hard. Oh, that sounds really hard. Yeah. Okay, so let me play you last night's that I could not stop singing to myself. Okay. And if you liked it, then you should have put some rings on it. If you liked it, <laughs> oh, then you should have put some rings on it. I bet you liked it. Then you should have put some rings on it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Are those the oh, right shit. lyrics? No, I mean, I'm fucking with the lyrics a little bit, but but if you liked it, then you should have put a ring on it. It was in a cartoon my kids were listening to, and then the whole night I could not stop going. And if you liked it, then you should have put some rings on it. <laughs> this is the kind of thing I would normally send to Aaron, really. I guess that's my only outlet, is to send these things to Aaron. What do you mean? You can do it here? Yeah. Uh, well, and I just did. But here's from our trip. Let's see. Oh, 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 Pezenik. <laughs> so that's that commercial we love. It's Wait, for a pharmaceutical what? called Ompenza. We can't get the name right, but it goes, oh, 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 Ompenza. <laughs> but here, I'll play it again. <laughs> Oh, 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 Pezenik. <laughs> oh, wow. That's fun. Oh, my God, a huge development. I hope you can see this. Actually, I'm going to send it to your phone so you can look at it right now. The biggest rite of passage, and I obviously I had nothing to do with this. I would never promote this behavior. But Woo! bless your heart. Thank you. Oh, Woo! bless your heart. Okay, so go ahead and look at your phone. Oh, wow. It's mm -hmm. a picture uh -huh. of a penis. Yep, and really humongous testicles. 
Yeah, really big balls. And then hair. I guess that's hair, yeah. We'd have to ask Lincoln because she's who drew this. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. I did not expect that. Right. She presents this to me. Uh-huh. And, and uh, says, Daddy, I, I drew a penis. And of course, I'm not going to shame her for drawing a penis. Who cares? And then I'm thinking, fuck, I, this is probably about the age I started drawing penises. And I don't know what else. Is, I go, well, you know, I've drawn somewhere around eleven or 12,000 penises in my <laughs> lifetime. Trying to make her feel normal. Okay, because she has some accoutrement. Look, it doesn't resemble me at all. I wish I had balls <laughs> that big. That would be so sexy, but I don't. But this this guy's got a couple of cantaloupes. Yeah, I actually think something might be wrong with this person. Elephantitis. Yeah, yeah, yeah unfortunately. Yeah. Syphilis of the testicles. Uh, uh, no, what do they call that? Uh, cephalitis. Cephalitis, encephalitis. Thank you. Really good job. Encephalitis of the uh, testes. I have questions for her. Well, let's bring her on. Okay, um, to do like an artist kind of walk you through the- The backstory and- Of the piece. Also, you can see where she erased something and then took another shot at it, right? There's like two yep. other stabs at it. <laughs> Multiple shafts drawn. <laughs> yes, yes yeah. exactly. Like neither length seemed right to her, I guess, in, in relation point. to the testicles. <laughs> oh my God, she even drew a pee hole. A urethra, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. This is a great first stab at it. I hope she'll be drawing the Ballsack Cowboys soon. You know what people never do is draw vulvas. Unfortunately, yeah. Remember, that came up when we, we had Gwyneth on, that women don't see each other's vaginas the way boys see each other's penises. But even like Lincoln's drawing this, she's choosing to draw a penis instead of a vulva. But there's so much more, more going the zeitgeist. on. Well, I think also there's just way more to draw. Let be like trying to draw an ear. Yeah, trying to draw an ear. A great, that's a great analogy. That's even hard. That's more intense than a penis. But I'm just saying any bozo can make two balls in a stick. Oh, right. Too much to tackle. Speaking of vulvas, under the manner of heaven, we're getting into some polygamy episodes. Yes. Lots of vulvas. Well, uh, Joseph Smith had access to 33. Yep. And yeah. Young girls. Yeah, really, really rough. Really Ugh. rough. Rough, Ugh. rough, rough. Rough. Mm-mm-mm. Well, smooth because they're young. Well, I'm not going to weigh in on that. <laughs> you're, in, you're in better shape <laughs> than me to talk about that. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I love Hi. you. I hope you feel better. Thanks. I will. Good, because I'm not going to eat until you're negative. Yeah, the hunger strike is starting to put pressure on me. It's really easy for me to say that right now because Lincoln and I stopped on the way home from riding at the motocross track and had in and out So I'm so <gasps> full right now that I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll just not eat for a long time. But I bet in three hours it's going to feel more challenging. But while we're on it, Lincoln first day at the motocross track on her new 110, yeah. big, big motorcycle. She did great. She probably did 40 laps, didn't have an issue. And then Jolene, I've told you about Jolene. She's like one of the best female motocross riders in the history of motocross, does backflips. She's so great. And she's so sweet and lovely. And Lincoln and I were out on the like what's called the vets track, like the smaller track riding. And she came out there off the big track and she came up to Lincoln and said, can I ride with you? And then she rode next to her. And she like pushed her a bit, which was great. It was so fun. And then, and then after their two laps, Lincoln goes, "I can't believe how fast I was going." That's and I so thought, cute. "You lucky little bastard! You get egged on and coached by one of the greats of all time." Well, yeah, she's also good enough, though. Yeah, like, you know. But just so lucky, 
Like, yeah. I, oh, how that's great. so fun. Okay, that's all. All right. Love you. Love you. Love you.